0: You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is The Flag
1: Flyers.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to The Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler and alongside me, his last show for a couple of weeks, Lockie Miller. What's going on, buddy?
3: last show because I'm disgusted that we've actually had to change the entire theme of the show because we've got one guest on. But it's a landmark occasion too. (laughs) We've got uh, an international sporting superstar, Australian icon.
2: Absolutely. Sammy Groth is going to be on the show, which is fantastic. Thank you very much to James Arthur as well from the SEN NFL podcast, who's also going to be on later on in this show to talk about the NFL. He organized the chat with Sam Groth for us, so we were very, very thankful to uh, to Mr. Arthur for, for organizing that. So
3: thankful that Chris actually forgot to thank him in the actual recording of the interview with Sam Groth. And he got upset with me, and he so got I have to say it now. So
2: thank you very, very much, James.
3: But apart from that, uh, it's sort of a landmark occasion because uh, now we've changed from... Uh, Publicising and promoting the Australians in the US sports system. Now we're just like, nah,
2: we'll do the whole world. So, well, he does. He does base himself in the states, but still, obviously, he's made a name for himself all throughout the world.
3: Yep, Davis Cup uh, hero when uh, uh, win the doubles with uh, with. Clayton Hewitt. Clayton uh, Hewitt uh, uh, a couple of months back. Um, you know, uh, he speaks about immense pride of being you know representing Australia. Obviously, he's done some cool stuff. Or you know, we we speak about it in the interview that. Um, uh, you know if he had to retire tomorrow there 's a pretty nice resume or 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 you know historical um, uh, legacy that he 's got in terms of what he 's achieved so it 's a a pretty cool one and uh, an awesome bloke to talk to
2: and It was great that he could come in the studio because he was only in Australia for. A week, I think he just had, like he had foot days, surgery. Yeah, even less than a week. He had foot surgery. He had to come down here for foot surgery, so his season's over. But then he's gone back to the states already, and so we managed to get him in the little tiny gap that he was in Australia. So it was great that we could have him in the studio. But you're going to the states on Friday. You just you go about four times a year. I'm very very jealous of uh, of where your work leads you, Lachlan. So uh, you're going to be heading there later on this week, and you'll be missing I think two shows, is it? And then you're back. In three weeks' time,
3: yeah, something like that. Two weeks, I think. Yeah, what's called two weeks. Can't leave it too long, otherwise ratings dive. When <laughs> when, when this show is lifted on uh, left on your shoulders, Chris. So I I, I got to do the right thing by by management and, and make sure I get back pretty quickly.
2: <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, man. And We have a big show as we always do. Like we said, we're going to be chatting about Sam. Groth. We're going to be chatting to Sam Groth. We're going to be playing the first part of the chat. So the chat that we went went for about twenty minutes. We're going to be playing the first part in this show. We're going to be playing the second part next week when you are not here. But as always, we're going to start off with Rounding the Bases with Xavier Player from the SEN MLB podcast, the producer of that program, then James Arthur from the SEN NFL podcast, and Organ Yulik, who's got a new job. You'll find out very, very shortly where his new job is, but let's get into the show. It back. Kicking us off on Rounding the Bases today is Xavier Player, producer of the MLB, the SEN MLB podcast. Mate, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. How are you, boys?
2: Not too bad, man. Now, the playoffs are officially underway. We've got Liam Hendricks of the Toronto Blue Jays in action for them. They're currently trailing the series 2-1, but how's Liam going at the moment? Has he seen any time yet?
4: He's had one outing, and unfortunately, it came at the worst possible time. Saturday in morning, our time, game two in extra innings, and he came in with runners on base and uh, gave up uh, a couple of hits in a in a bad spot and... Gave up runs as a result, unearned because they were already on base when he came in. But it's something that I'm sure he would be pretty upset over after his uh, fantastic regular season where he went five and zero. So not an ideal outing. He got look, he got it out, so that's not too bad. But you know, he was also in a situation where he was not responsible for runs coming in, but unfortunately played a part in it.
2: And now Toronto are in the situation that they didn't think they would be in where they're actually facing a deficit because coming into the playoffs, they were looking like the team to beat, essentially, and now they kind of got their backs against the wall a little bit.
4: They do, and I've said this a few times uh, to a couple of friends, but I think that the Toronto and Texas series is the most fascinating because you've got Toronto, a team who looks so fantastic at points, but at the end of the day, kind of fell across the line in the AL East because the other teams were just uh, so mediocre. And you've got Texas, who really were hot since the trade deadline, that acquisition of Cole Hamels. So it's a very interesting situation.
2: So, when do you reckon um, Liam Hendricks will get his next crack? Do you reckon he'll be able to get uh, get back on the park in the next game and kind of pro- would, prove that uh, that was kind of a one-off, letting those runs through?
4: I would hope that he gets an outing tomorrow. Well, ideally, we don't want the Blue Jays giving up runs, which means he doesn't get in the game and you know he has no action, but. I think he'll get back out there at some point this series. Hopefully they can put it to a game five at least. It'll be a fantastic result after being 2-0 down and losing the first two games at home.
2: Xavier, so thanks for joining us, mate. And as always, we can listen to the SEN MOE podcast every Saturday. Of course, the uh, MOE playoffs are on at the moment, so there's going to be heaps of great content from uh, Craig Koenig, JC, and the boys as well. And you do a great job of producing it every week, mate. So thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Continuing on with rounding the Bases this afternoon is Olgin Yulik from Fox Sports, the lead basketball writer for Fox Sports, if you don't mind. Olgen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Mate, you're big time now, and, and you still have time for us. That's terrific, because once we found out that you were part of Fox Sports, we thought, oh, no, Olgen's big time now. He won't have any time for us, but you're back, and you're here, and he you're did, with us. He did blow us off last week. You did, but that's all right. That's I, fair I, enough.
1: I wouldn't do that to you guys. Last week was a busy week.
2: <laughs> As it always is, I'm sure, and you've spent uh, the last week just watching a whole lot of basketball. It's, it's, a, it's the dream job for you, so we're, we're rapt that uh, that you're uh, able to, uh, to to get the job, mate, and we encourage everyone to go and check out your work, work at Fox Sports because if anyone has read your stuff on uh, on Pick and Roll before or all or, or your stuff with Ausbeeball Prospects, everyone knows that you know your stuff and you love your basketball and all that sort of stuff, so hopefully this just leads to bigger and better things, my friend. But let's start off with um, – let's go back to, to where it all started, back to the, uh, the recruiting news. We want to start off talking about Matt Owies committed to Hawaii – Can you let us know about that?
1: Yeah, so he's at the University of Hawaii. So he's committed for uh, the class of 2016. Uh, Matt's a 5'11 point guard, the the starting point guard for the Australian under-17 team at uh, last year's Fever Under-17 World Championship. Um, He's he's a solid little player, um, gets to the rack. He's he's a really feisty defender. Um, And the University of Hawaii has uh, Aaron Gannot, who was a... The head coach was a coach at St. Mary's. He had a lot of the, the key guys there. And so once he moved to Hawaii, he started that Australian pipeline. I think he has Jack, per- Jack Purgis now. He's transferred there. Now he's got Matt Owies.
3: Nice double act. Uh, in, in alignment with um, some of the other big Aussies that we've had going to uh, big Division One programs, Den Gak is starting to get interest from uh, the likes of Duke in Florida. Can you tell us uh, where that's all come from and, and where he's probably likely to end up? Well, yeah,
1: so ever since he's moved to Blair Academy in New York, he's started to pick up a lot more offers. Um, he doesn't have offers from those places yet, but uh, it, it's a Duke, Florida, I think SMU, I think Larry Brown from SMU went and visited Blair Academy to, to have a talk with him and just to kind of gauge where his recruitment's at. He's still a 2017 uh, center, so uh, his recruitment's still kind of wide open and there's no real kind of gauge on where he might go. Uh, but it looks like that he'll get a, a lot of high major interest.
2: Now, Kentucky held an NBA combine today that Isaac Humphreys was part of. How did he go in that?
1: He did really well for a 17-year-old who was the youngest there by far. Um, uh, but I, I found a way to watch it today, and uh, he was hitting his mid-range jumper with, with a lot of ease. He's, he's a big guy. He bangs in the post. And from the NBA scouts I, I spoke to uh, after, the, after the event, they said that they really like him. They like his size. They like his competitiveness. Um, And I reckon he'll get a lot of minutes at Kentucky this year.
2: So how do these work? Is it just set up by the school in essentially the same way that the NBA combine is set up and they're just testing out new recruits, or is it for everyone? How do these combines work?
1: So this is set up by John Calipari, head coach of the University of Kentucky. So uh, he basically sets up a combine. They do the athletic testing, the measurements. Then they go through drills. They go through shooting drills, three-on-three, five-on-five, and basically just invite NBA scouts and so Uh, every NBA team was allowed to have three representatives and a lot of them went three deep with them and there was a, a rep from every NBA team there. And so it was just set up by Kentucky just so the NBA scouts can get a really good look at these guys before the season starts.
3: Yeah, so obviously Ben Simmons has got one uh, lined up with LSU in the next few days. Is this the is this the next evolution of of the recruiting cycle? Obviously, the combines a big part of it, um, and also the evaluation um, events and all that sort of stuff. But why is this coming in now? Why is it coming in at the start of the season? What what's the necessity there?
1: Well, LSU's one's in a couple of days. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're holding two days of it. Um, a lot of it has to do with, especially with Kentucky, uh, the idea of freshmen that a one-and-done guys. Uh, Kentucky, that's that's the kind of thing that they do. And so uh, it's it's good for, instead of the NBA guys only having one season to look at kids, at least they get kind of this one big session to, to have a really close look at them before the season starts. So that's why I think guys like Kentucky, uh, they can do it. LSU, they have a couple of, of uh, good athletes who I think could go um, in the next draft. And even in places like Duke and Kansas, I don't think it's something that will... Spread across the NCAA, but I think a lot of high-level schools will start to do this now.
2: Just before we finish up, I heard Coach Cal talking earlier on in the week about how say, uh, saying how I guess unready his team is to compete uh, this season. Is that just Coach Cal being Coach Cal, or do you think that their team this season just isn't as good as the team that he's, he's been used to coaching over the last five years or so?
1: Well, I think what he what he says by uh, what he means by unready, I think is just the team hasn't been together for too long. Um, a lot of the guys only committed quite late. Uh, a lot of teams have been together for a really long time. LSU did a tour to Australia. Kentucky didn't have Jamal Mario, or Isaac Humphries until the first week of school. Um, and so that's, I think that's what he means by that. Just, they just haven't had a, a lot of time to play together. But they'll definitely kind of put it together by the time the season starts.
2: Ogun, thanks for joining us again, mate. And as always, we can read your stuff on Fox Sports. Congratulations on that new role, my friend. And we'll catch you soon.
1: Thank you
2: so much. Finishing us up on rounding the bases today is James Arthur taking over for Richie Garroway. He's Richie's sidekick. I'm going to call him his sidekick rather than his co-host. His sidekick from the Sen NFL podcast. James, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, I am the Robin to Richie Garroway's Batman. You're kind of just
2: the funny guy. You, you, you kind of everyone listens for you because you're the funny guy. But Richie's the guy that actually runs the show and actually knows everything.
0: Well, I call it being the talent. <laughs> what it's called in the industry. So, yeah, but I definitely agree with that. I, I am the talent of the
3: show. Tell me about it. I feel like I'm on a sinking ship here with Chris. I'm the talent. I've got this just wet rag host dragging me down.
2: Oh, come on, mate. Now, well, we're thinking about just scrapping the entire show today, James, and just talking about Jared Haynes' almost touchdown. We may not do that, but we'll, we'll maybe keep it to maybe one or two minutes. So he did almost get a touchdown in today's game against the Giants. Let us know how he went.
0: Look, I, I actually I, I watched this game. He looked okay. He's starting to get it. Um, he still really struggles if the if the holes aren't there to get through the offensive line. He struggles to find cutbacks. He doesn't break many tackles. He's, he's shifty, but he doesn't look he doesn't look really powerful. Um, his punt returning is has been really good. I, I, I will give credit where credit's due that his punt returning has been great, and he looked good again doing that today. As for his almost touchdown. Um, when he got the ball handed off to him, I was pretty excited because I couldn't imagine what Fox Sports Australia would have done if he'd scored a touch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you think had anyone else been in that situation that they would have scored or, or how did he actually go given the situation? There was Were a there big hole. There? there was a big it hole.
0: Was, it was, it was a, he, he basically tried to run to the left. There was a cutback lane. Um, made a good move on, on one smaller defender to get around him and then they kind of corralled him and brought him down. He was still probably four yards short. Um, the thing about the NFL is you don't really, you don't really get close scoring touchdowns. You either score them or you don't. You didn't score it, and then Carlos Hyde came and put it in on the on the next run. So <laughs> he came in and poached it from him. Well, the, uh, he the only reason he was in the game was because Carlos Hyde was pretty banged up at times, and Reggie Bush isn't playing. So yeah, look, it, I said I, I hope he does get a touchdown. I, I hope it comes on a punt return because that's where he looks really good.
2: Well, the most exciting thing about the game today between the Giants and uh, the 49ers is the fact that we had Brad Wing punting to uh, to uh, Jared Hayne, but none of the commentators really made that big of a deal of it.
0: No, I don't think they realised that... I'd say that's the first time that's ever happened.
2: Well, no, Barry um, did it the, like, yeah. a couple of weeks ago.
0: Oh, obviously, yeah. Yeah, other than Barry, but yeah, it, it's something that's, that's pretty... It's very rare. Yeah. So, and I think I heard one of them say that an, an Aussie was punching to an Aussie, <laughs> which it's just a, I don't know why they can't say Aussie.
2: Or just it's, Australian.
0: It's just, it's just the way they are. Um, so, look, yeah, it was, that, that was pretty cool. Brad Wing actually, on another note, punched really well today, and that was a really exciting game to watch. So, for all the Australians that were watching the Hain playing, they, they caught a good game with Eli Manning throwing the game-winning touchdown with 21 seconds left, which was, which was pretty cool. Now, what about Geordie Berry? Did Geordie Berry play today? He plays tomorrow. He's got the Monday night game That's tomorrow.
2: That's right, It's
0: the Chargers. Yeah, with, yes, Pittsburgh versus Chargers, which is another huge game. They're both 2-2, two two, so that'll be interesting to see the outcome of that. Another story, Um, Adam Gottsus, who's playing for Georgia Tech at the moment.
2: Our boy. We call him our boy because he's been on the show once before.
0: Well, I've actually played against him before. I've had the pleasure of him kick, kicking my ass. So. I was going to
2: say, have you had the pleasure of him absolutely
3: destroying you?
0: <laughs> I don't have any photos of it, but he, I can tell you that he did destroy me, and I'm not ashamed to say it. He was unbelievable, and he was 17 then, so that was kind of scary. Uh, look, he, he, he's a gun. He scored a touchdown today. I believe it was his first career touchdown. He's looking really great. I, I think he's definitely going to get drafted, maybe pretty early, maybe second or third round. So he looks great, and all the all the scouts are really liking him. So let's see if Fox Sports Australia could write up a couple of articles on him for once instead of... Haynes three yard almost touchdown.
3: Oh mate, you're jumping on the soapbox which I've been on for a, a, a whole long time on. But us uh, we've had Paul Maneira on, who's the one of the people that was uh, I suppose influential in getting Adam is to uh,
0: an offensive coordinator.
3: Yeah, to, to Georgia yeah. Tech. And uh, he was saying that, um, look, he's probably – he might just be a little bit undersized um, for, for for the position he's trying to play in. But at the same time, look, he, you know, he, he's got draftability. Uh, obviously, he just needs to execute on this season. Also, today, he laid eight tackles too um, when Georgia Tech uh, went down to Clemson 24-43. So, yeah, Adams had a had a, a really good last couple of years. And, look, I think it's, it's definitely within the realms of possibility that he could get drafted. But, um, you know, uh, w- w- remains to be seen and we'll have to wait.
0: What, what he really needs to work on is if he can get his pass rushing up to a really good tier as, as a smaller interior lineman, if he can get his pass rushing going, that's something that NFL coaches really need that on their team. And it's something there's not a lot of in the NFL. It's hard to find. So I'd say that's his best bet. If he can, if he can finish this season up and really work hard on that, then he has a really good chance to be successful in the NFL.
2: James, thank you for joining us on the Flag Flies today. Your debut on the Flag Flies, I think, as well. Hopefully, plenty more to come for you. And as always, we can listen to the SEN NFL podcast from every Wednesday, SEN.com.au. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, boys. That uh, brings us to the end of Rounding the Bases today. We're going to finish off the show with Sam Groth, who joined us in the studio last week. Here it is. Now, we're doing something a little bit different here on the Flag Flies today. Our guests didn't play college. A lot of our guests in the past have gone through the college ranks. He hasn't played in any of the professional sports leagues in the States, but his sport has taken him to the States on more than one occasion. He's done us proud each time he's been over there. Sam Groth, the Australian tennis player, has joined us in the studio as well, if you don't mind. Sam, welcome to the Flag Flyers.
5: Hey, mate. Good to be here. Pumped pumped to be back for a few days.
2: Pumped to have you now. You're only here for a very, very short amount of time. I think you came to the country a couple of days ago and you're leaving in a couple of days' time. How often do you get to spend here when, when you actually do get to come down?
5: Um. You know, normally it's uh, pretty whirlwind trips. Uh, I got back a couple of this couple of times this year, just because we had Davis Cup. But other than that, it's uh, yeah. I mean, a, a little far away to get back now. I try to base myself out of the states a little bit more, just just from uh, logistics point of view with the tour, spending a lot of time there and in Europe, and it's uh, you know, a bit more central.
3: We were talking off air just before, and uh, you know, I think the coolest thing I found out about you is not the fact that uh, you uh, hold the world record for the fastest serve, the fact that you played the greatest of all time in Wimbledon and the US Open, you're actually executive-level club frequent flyer points holder (laughs) with American Airlines, which I think is probably the coolest perk of them all. So you obviously get around the world a fair bit.
5: Yeah, I mean, that takes some serious dedication. (laughs) It's... uh yeah, like I said, we're we're on the road, different different city every week and you know when you're doing that, you try try to fly, fly one airline because the benefits are definitely there. Is the novelty
3: worn off? Do you do you still enjoy the fact that you can go Rome, you can go to, you know, Indian Wells, you can go to, you know, everywhere and on the fact that you're a professional athlete?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky, I guess, that I get to get to see all these places, but you know, I, I don't really get to see a hell of a lot of them. You know, if I'm doing well, if I'm, if I'm seeing a lot, I'm not doing as well as I want. You know, if, if, if I've got days off in a city, it probably means I've lost early. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy seeing all the different places and, you know, trying to experience a little bit of the culture. But in the end, it's uh, it's still a job.
2: Do you have a favorite place that you like going? Obviously, you would have seen a lot more of the world than most other people through your job. Is there one place that you love going back to each year? or Is there one place that you've been to before that you just love and didn't really expect what was going to happen?
5: Um, I, I mean, I love spending time in New York. Um, I think everyone does yeah yeah. during the US Open you know it's played out in Queens but we we stay in Manhattan and you know spend all our sort of off time around there and so that's sort of one of the places we get to see a little bit more of just because we're in the city all the time and um, you know I love it while I'm there but after two weeks I'm sort of ready to leave as well it's a a very full on place
3: why didn't you go to college seeming as though you know you obviously love the US uh, New York as it sounds Uh, what was it coming through the ranks that you know you sort of decided to turn pro as opposed to go to college
5: um I think when I came through, you know, tennis. If you went to college for tennis at that stage, it was sort of looked upon as you were sort of giving up on your your pro dream. I think guys sort of thought really? that was a bit of a
2: because they were delaying I, the fact that they wanted to become professional. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think
5: I think sort of ten years ago when I came through, it was like the the average age in the top hundred was around twenty one or twenty three, right. around that sort of. Now now it's sort of twenty eight years old, so. Um, back then I had the support of the Federation, which was nice. I was part of the Australian Institute of Sport and these things. So they sort of gave me an option, you know, funding wise that, that college wasn't really on the cards, but certainly. But now, it was
2: raised to you the fact that that was a possibility? Yeah. Or? I mean, I had some yeah. offers
5: from coaches and they sort of reached out in like my last couple of years are juniors. But, you know, I think now, especially the way the tour has gone, how, how tough it is out there. You know, if anyone asks me now, certainly college is an avenue that I, you know, unless you're one of the really, really, you know, top standout stars, um, you know, college I think is a great option.
3: We, um, I think I was watching on, I think the US Open broadcast recently that yeah they were talking about the median age of a tennis player at the pro level is is much higher these days. Why is that? Because I remember like growing up, you'd seen uh, Nadal was seventeen. Like obviously these are freak shows, once in a generation, once in a lifetime. But what's changed in terms of the actual sport that now requires you know the athletes to to peak at a higher age?
5: Um, I think it's just the the physicality of it and. I mean, it's the physical and the mental. I think, um, you know, we have to spend so many weeks a year on the road and it's so full on in the sports, you know, the the money's gotten a lot better, obviously, so there's more people playing and um, the guys at the top are hanging around a lot longer. So you just don't get, you know, as many of those superstar youngsters and it's just, uh, you know, there's a few coming through now. Uh, Obviously, we've got a couple of young Aussie guys and there's a couple of young guys from a few other countries coming through, but... It's just it's such a tough sport, it really is. I mean, if you talk about you know coming from Australia, especially you know we spend 40 weeks a year away, you know from the country trying to play tournaments and and travel. So it's not necessarily easy to do that as an 18-year-old to sort of leave your family and you know make that commitment to travelling and. Yeah, you know, it can it can wear down you, and you know certainly enjoy getting some off time myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, at what stage did you
2: have to kind of commit yourself to tennis? Because you're obviously a dual sport athlete, you would have been a freak at just about every sport you would have tried. You just look like one of those guys, and obviously you were quite a handy footballer. At what age did you kind of have to choose tennis and say, "All right, this is what I got to go for"?
5: Uh, I stopped playing footy just before I turned seventeen. Right. Um, you know, I moved. I was from the country, from Albury, moved down to Melbourne to, to pursue tennis, and then. Um, you know, I, I was playing full-time from basically, you know, 17, 18 years old and then 2011 I had a break, went back, played footy, quit again and probably never until that stage committed myself as much as I probably should have and that's probably why I never quite got to where I, you know, wanted to be but the, definitely the last couple of years as well and I and I think that was, you know, like we spoke about the maturing on tour I think that was a, a real process for me as well and, you know, the last sort of two or three years for me I, it's 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 a full-time job, you know, I apply myself every day and, you know
3: it, it's, it seems like you've gone from strength to strength since you came back from that break in 2011. What... What what sort of impact did, did that break have in terms of refreshing you, or did it make you hone in? I remember John Walsfold, the New Zealand coach, said yesterday that some, he just needed to break and, and, and figure out that recharge the batteries, kind and of thing, well, yeah. that his passion is AFL. Did that give you the opportunity to go, no, nah, I really want to have a crack at tennis, and there is no you know um, parameters anymore. It's just full ball tennis only, and I'm going to get as far as I can.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it was also you know a lot of players have a fear. Um, of what they're going to do if they don't make it, you know, and sort of for me, I got to see the other side of things. You know, I was coaching a bit. I was actually uh, halfway through becoming becoming a firefighter. I'd, oh, uh, really? Yeah, exactly. I'd sat the exams for the the MFB here in Melbourne, and I was doing a few other things, obviously playing a bit of footy and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, when I when I decided to come back, it was just you know I decided I wasn't going to leave any stone unturned. It was going to be a full commitment. And thankfully, it's uh, it's starting to pay off.
3: Yeah, I, I was I was thinking before if you retired tomorrow, and we don't want you to. But if you were, you've got fastest serve in the world, okay? That's kind of like, you know, I imagine in a sport that has, like, obsessed with, like, that sort of metric, that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. You played Federer in um, Arthur Ashe Stadium, Centre Court. You played Federer, was it Centre Court, Wimbledon as well? Yeah. And Davis Cup, was it the semi-final that you won um, up in Darwin?
5: Was quarters we won. Quarters we won. Semis we lost.
3: Where do you... How do you rank those? What's what's the best one? What's most important? I, and I don't want you to feel obliged to say, "Oh, I love Australia." It was Davis Cup, blah blah blah. <laughs> to be honest, I'd be like, nah, fastest serve,
5: hands down. Beat that! Come on, that's good." I be think I think when I hit the fastest serve, it was sort of the biggest thing I'd done. Yeah. Um, but at the could time, you tell straight away that it was the fastest? Oh, I don't know. Can you I don't know, can you notice the difference between two thirty? <laughs> yeah. That's a 250? what I mean. I don't know. No. It's ridiculous. It Once yeah. it gets over
2: like two hundred, surely is there much difference? Can you tell much difference? Oh.
5: I guess. I don't know. I haven't been on the receiver. <laughs> but uh no, when I did that, you know, I, I, that was sort of you know my biggest achievement and it was sorta of, you know, peop it's something people can relate to, but people also said, Oh, this guy's just a serve, you know, it was it was sort of a tough thing for me to deal with. So um as as great as a thing it is to have, it's much better to have it now with all the with all the other things I've done and um, you know, when I played Federer at you know, center court on Arthur Ashe. That was the first time I'd got direct entry to a Grand Slam. It was the first time I'd played a big guy on a big court and it was, you know, Friday night in New York in front of, you know, yeah. 23,000 full house and that was amazing and then, you know, I played him at Wimbledon, um, you know, took a set, which was, you know, the next sort of step playing on, you know, probably the greatest court in tennis that we have historically and then, you know, a week later come back and honestly, like at at the time, Darwin, you know, with you know, being able to do it with Leighton, who's had such a great Davis Cup record, I know you said you don't want to to say just yeah, that. No. Yeah, you know, at the time when I got interviewed, you know, I, we won the doubles, and I won that fourth rubber, and you know, gave Leighton the chance to to win the fifth. I mean, it was it was the best feeling I've ever had. You know, yeah. Because you're not just doing it for yourself. You know, there's that whole weight of everyone else there with you. You know, the team, which is something we don't get very often in tennis, and then you know, doing it for your country. It was it was it was it was unbelievable.
3: Yeah. All jokes aside, I, I'd be the same way. I'd you know, I just wanted to put it out there. The other one, and weird question coming. In terms of because the serve is the centerpiece of your game, I was thinking about this as walking in. Colin Monogan shows her butt because that's like you know the centerpiece of you know her <laughs> career, right? In some ways, have you insured your shoulder? Because let's face it, you know we we, we got to keep the power in that. You know it's three points, aces down the middle. You know have you got the shoulder insured?
5: Nah, it's not insured. But trust me, there's a lot of work that goes into looking after it because I know if I lose that, I'm screwed.
2: <laughs> what do you kind of have to do?
5: Uh, just it's rehab, it's physio, yeah. it's uh, yeah maintenance all the time. You know. Occasional cortisone injection to take a little bit of the edge off the pain, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of like baseball. You know, we have to manage it. You know, the pitchers manage their shoulders, and we're probably not as diligent with you know we don't count the number of serves we hit and that sort of stuff. But it's definitely something you have to look after a lot.
2: And I assume all through juniors you had a pretty powerful serve as well. It wasn't just something that came about. Is this something that you were kind of? Um that was your strength all the way throughout your, your junior career as well?
5: Yeah. Yeah, my serve's always been the biggest thing. And, you know, even when my ranking was lower, I still had a great serve. It's just, you know, I had had to work on the rest of my game. You can't, yeah. you can't rely on one thing when you get to that sort of top level.
1: For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au.